Dave. Kia ora. How are you? Good. That's how do you say Happy New Year? Uh, I'm out of my depth. Okay. Um, I am thinking about taking some some Maori language classes here in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, but for the moment, uh, I don't sick. know much. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah, likewise to you. Uh, I was surprised when you said that when we first jumped on. I could have sworn that we'd chatted, but I guess it's only 27th of Jan at the moment. So how's everything going? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, been a, a weird, you know, a pretty big life change after of course. leaving Melbourne and going through quarantine. Uh, and then yeah. qu- quarantine was weird. That's a Take me through existence. it. You were in Auckland in a hotel. Yeah. In, a, in a hotel in Auckland. We had a gorgeous view of the Sky Tower. Uh, every, I think every day or almost every day was sunny. We, we had a reasonably nice place, but just our room that was pretty small, like no bigger no, than a kind of I was going to say, bedroom. it doesn't matter how nice the room is if you're stuck in there for how long? Seven days? Seven days. And yeah. you, <laughs> the weirdest part of it, when we got there, we ordered all our, you have to order your food for the seven days. Mm-hmm. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks. And How joyless. <laughs> yeah, and then like there's no record of it anywhere in your, like they didn't say here's what you've ordered or anything. Sitting there like, what are we having for lunch? <laughs> like and you don't know until there's a knock on the door and someone. That's funny. And how much repetition was there? It wasn't a lot. There was a couple of sources. That, like, yeah, okay. And one of them was really unpleasant. Uh, mm. Like for the most part, the food was really quite good, but there were times when you're like, "I don't think we ordered this," but I don't know. You're probably not really in your most relaxed frame of mind when you're doing them doing the order initially. So you're like, "Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what we ordered. Who knows?" Yeah, um, and like one one night something turned up. Definitely not what we ordered. I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> did we? And I imagine there's no recourse as well. No, there's three cool. So they were, look, they were awesome. Like you could ring reception. Yeah. And, you know, essentially it was being in a hotel. Um, yeah. Except for your, to leave the hotel, you had to wait till your first negative COVID test. Yeah. Which took like two days. And then you go downstairs to the little car park yard, which was really small. And you just basically did laps of that. How, how like, much time could you have? Oh, 30 minutes. We didn't last the 30 minutes because you're walking around I'm in a circle. Bored. Yeah, okay. And you're just like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Um, and the kitchen's right there and the food, that awful sauce that was on a couple of dishes, that seemed to be the predominant kitchen smell as well. Oh, terrific. Yeah. So what would um, a day look like? You'd wake up. You'd wake up and you'd go, Yeah. I wonder what's coming for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> was uh, there an element of like fun with the mystery of the meals? Oh, absolutely. Cause yeah. What else are you looking forward to? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds bleak, but, you know, you, you, there's two sure. of you in a room for it's seven like, days. It's the one element that's actually going to be unpredictable and various. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd get your breakfast lottery. Yep. You would watch some breakfast TV while you're eating it, probably. Uh, make a coffee. I had my V60 coffees. Or you could order a, you know, you could get a flat white or something from downstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think we just start work basically. But Emma must have been working Austra- Australian hours. Yeah, I can't remember. But then 
you know, then you're excited for lunch and then you finish lunch and you're like, what's for dinner? <laughs> um, and then you finish, you know, any work you've done and start watching Netflix pretty much. Yeah, right. Um, okay. And like you could get beer. So I got some um, beer delivered. Shout out to um, a friend of ours from Melbourne who now works at Shining Peak Brewery. Um, they're in, in uh, New Plymouth. Uh, and he couriered up uh, half a dozen beers from, from the brewery, which were all really good. Um, there was a highlight. What was the highlight? Uh, I think it was, oh, the Redhead. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were really good, to be honest. I, I remember every one of them. Redhead Stranger a, Red IPA? Yeah. yeah okay. um, all really fun. And, you know, some nice big tins of, of IPA is a favorite of ours. Definitely. Um, so that was really, really appreciated. And oh, uh, I've got a mixed four pack of tall IPAs. That, that's 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 what you want, I reckon. Um, I also got some beer from the Beer Jerk, Beer Jerk here in New Zealand, um, which is kind of like a subscription mail order website. Yeah. Um, and he do, he does a lot of collabs with. He's doing a few with Australian breweries um, under his own beer label. Uh, yeah. Which a uh, small, it escapes me now. I feel awful because he, he gave me the beer and the the ones I had were bloody delightful from, from his one. But the collabs he had were like Molly Rose and I think Boat Rocker. Um, so, you know, favourites of ours. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'm just going to yeah. look them up right now. Beer Jerk Exclusives. Oh, no, that's, um, not, that's not his. That's just what he's got. Lots of Aussie God. stuff, though. Yeah, Small Gods is his... Um, it's his own oh, is it? beer okay. I saw uh, that. brand. I saw that. And they, there's one in particular that was like a, a Christmas imperial stout with white rum and coconut. Yeah, was that um, the Santa, Santa, Santa? In a white can? Yeah. Yeah. That was a real bloody delight. Yeah, um, nice. I, I don't recall. Cocoa. Coconut, vanilla, lactose, and white rum. Hell yeah. Yeah, and when I read it, I'm like, okay, coconut and white rum, I can see how that would taste, and I would like to taste that. And boy, it came across. It just was really good. Yeah, nice. Um, Yeah, really, like, probably one of the beer highlights of my just over a month here. And, you know, people that would know the show know that that kind of beer isn't something that really gets us excited. Um, but nah, man, it was a, a bloody delight that one. Um, oh yeah, that sounds great. That sounds yeah. like um, unique. I mean, how many different, how many like really unique beers have you come across lately? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it was yeah, just thanks, thanks to him for sending us some beers. And uh, if you're in New Zealand or ever in New Zealand, check out Beer Jerk and Small Gods. It's not a paid ad. It was just genuinely really lovely guy. Um, he also helped me I'm out with the brewery stuff. So. Yeah, it looks cool. <clears throat> um, yeah. So, and the other, I guess the other part of the quarantine was you could get, as I said, stuff delivered. So I think we got some wine delivered. We got, Emma got a bagel delivered one day. You know, you could get like a full bar. You know, you could get, I could get a, a beer on tap delivered to the room in a cup. Oh, yeah. Which I, I didn't do, but I got, I got some tequila one night. So, like, you know, it wasn't like we were struggling. Yeah, yeah. 
but you're making yeah. the best of a, a unfortunate situation. I mean, I don't know if you can call it that even, but yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, fourteen days. Um, if we had to do fourteen, that I would have. I anyone that's an that's extra, done a, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, like, we didn't have kids. You know, we don't have kids, so you're oh, seeing how, families like, go in there. Jeez, that must be um, that must be a real struggle. Yeah, and smokers as well because they weren't they, they aren't allowed out for the first three days. And you know, I used to smoke, and I know how tough it is. You know, it's an addiction. You're not going to do well if you don't have three days of your addictive substance. So, yeah, um, pretty pretty hard going. So, I guess in the greater scheme, we had it we had it pretty good. Yeah, and then yeah. you you finally got to. Uh, Westport. Yeah. What was the first thing that you did? Oh, the first thing I did was go down and check out the brewery. Sure, of course. Because, I mean, it was kind of a weird situation. Um, we, I mean, because we bought the brewery, basically, I hadn't seen it for a decade, basically. Yep. Hadn't been inside. Um, couldn't, couldn't have told you. I think, you know, I bought the brewery not knowing the size of the kit. So, uh, you know. <laughs> It was pretty. Yeah, if you don't know the size of the kit, there's probably plenty of things you don't really know about. Yeah, and uh, we're we're kind of learning as we go. Um, so you know, it's the worst way to buy a brewery, I guess. Well, maybe it's the best way. You know, just buy a brewery in a pandemic and it just do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rip do a that couple band-aid. of quarantines. See how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, pretty much down at the brewery, and and you know, I guess our biggest theme of Christmas and New Year's was we're trying to get the brewery underway for, you know, launching in Feb was the initial yep. plan. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is on holiday. Yeah, right. Uh, so, you know, to get anything done over that period was was impossible, essentially, um, you know, which is, you know, we kind of obviously to be expected, but um, just it's kind of really frustrating. You're, you're treading water you know, knowing that if someone was at the other end to answer your email, it's a problem that would be solved immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was every problem that we had, basically, you know, uh, ordering ingredients and, and setting up the suppliers and everything. Uh, so that was a really, you know, difficult time. But it, it did give us a chance to chat to the brewer, um, you know, really get our, our head around what our plans are and, you know, setting a plan for launch. Uh, gave us time to get a pilot kit and, and put a beer into that as well. Nice. Um, what was so your first du- go for the pilot kit? So we've got a Duranka XX <clears throat> clone. Well, Love sorry, that. not a clone because it's Tribute. basically based on yeah, based on that. Um, we haven't. I can't remember what the decision was, but we haven't. We we're going to use a, a hop of similar lineage to the hops they use. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they use kind of a noble variety or a low alpha European variety. But we've ended up using Waimea, which is a quite a high alpha New Zealand hop, um, but really gorgeous smell, really sweet, um, almost like fruit cordial, raspberry, um, really lovely. And we, I thought that, yeah, I think we just figured that would be really good with the, the Belgian yeast. Um, hop to 60 IBU, no dry hop, uh, 100% Pilsner malt. Oh, no, sorry, 95% Pilsner malt and a little bit of sugar. Uh, but if anyone's ever had Duranka XX, yeah, that's that's what we're going for with that. 
and it's still in it's still fermenting. I haven't had a taste yet, but it smells gorgeous. So nice. When do you really expect exciting. to get the first? Well, when's it expected to be done? Just for is it going to condition for launch? Yeah, yeah. So we've had been uh, two weeks. Probably put it to cold crash. Probably early next week, um, and then leave it conditioned till till launch. Um, we also that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's a really fun beer, I think, to to put on for a launch beer because. It's the opposite of what current trends are. It's intensely bitter. There's no dry hop. Um, but it essentially, you know, it's a, it's a hoppy beer or a Belgian, almost a Belgian IPA in approach because it's 60 IBU, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, a late hop addition. And you are looking for floral aroma, but the aroma is coming from yeast. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to that and, you know, if that works, um, I think all of us, Emma, myself, and the brewer Mark, are, you know, would be keen to scale that up if we if it works. Because um, it's yeah, not a, you know, it's not a complicated beer to make either. Like Pilsner malt sugar, one hop, and uh, you know, a good ambient ferment, really. Yeah, for sure. Like um, if you, yeah, if if that like caught on as like one of the beers to go back to. Um, when you're there, like that, that'd be a really fun one to have associated with the name, I reckon. Yeah, the um, the beer that Dave that I think would be uh, after tasting it. So we've got uh, all three beers in tank now: the Core mm-hmm. Range, uh, Breezy Pale, which went into tank today. Pilsner was a week and a half ago, and Dark Lager was earlier this week. Uh, we've had a bit of glycol problems, so our tanks aren't keeping temperature. Um, they're actually cooling too quick, basically. So the the dark lager, four um, percent dark lager. We've got chocolate wheat. I think light chocolate malt, maybe a bit of light crystal, and maybe some dark chocolate malt. Put that in. The temperature got too low. We came in the next day and it was at eight degrees. Um, we were all aiming for like fourteen. Yeah. But it was bubbling away, super happy. Um, so we've kept it at about eight or nine degrees for two days now, uh, and it's fermented pretty much halfway through, and tasting just amazing. What do you reckon the like? What were you aiming for um, versus what's the um, flavor profile like fermenting at that lower temperature? Um, I think it's about what we're aiming for, but yep. the. The Pilsner we've got in tank has got a little bit estery early on. I think it's just green. Like I think I tasted it maybe less than a week in, and that had a real problem ferment at the start because it we put it in fermenter, we came in, and the glycol had not switched itself off when it got to temp, and right. so we came in and it was one degree. So then okay. we had to raise it back up to, you know, to a reasonable fermenting temperature, mm-hmm. and I think tasting it, it's, I'm hoping it's just a young beer, and you know it's still got over a month to condition um, before we before we package it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it was a little bit little bit estery, and I'm a little bit concerned about that. But then the so then drinking the lager at two days with just no yeast flavors at all, um, just gorgeous, smooth, you know. It almost tasted like a, a finished condition beer. 
Yeah, um, nice. So that that certainly has changed our. It probably will change our fermentation temperature with the yeast we're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're using Lalaman Lalaman Diamond Lager yeast, um, and it was yeah, hearing it, seeing it bubbling away at nine degrees, just super happy was uh, really interesting. And man, it's a good beer. Yeah, nice. That's an exciting and, one. Yeah, and I think a four percent dark lager. You know, it's it's not a not a super common beer. There's quite a few dark lagers done in New Zealand. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think all of us are really excited to get that one into pack and get into keg. That's cool. How's the and the other ones are pale? Is that right? Yeah, breezy pale. So that just went into tank today. Um, so all New Zealand hops, all New Zealand uh, South Island from Gladfield or malt, and then. Uh, South Island hops from Freestyle Farms, um, and yeah, that's tasting, smelling really good. Um, hopefully, we our glycol is stable overnight because that's what we're all concerned about there. Because mm-hmm. um, and it, that one, you know, it's probably going to be fine at ambient here in in Westport because you know it'll yep. stay around 19, 20 degrees overnight. That's all right. Um, yeah. But if for some reason that glycol doesn't switch itself off, then we, you know, it's going to get down to five degrees overnight or something. What um, controls the glycol? Uh, just a little switch, essentially. It's just like a fridge. Yeah, right. You know, so it's just like a, f- a thermostat controlled thing, is that right? Yeah. So we had to get a pump changed early on, and I think we th- we don't know what's happened, but we've got someone coming in to look at it tomorrow. But it just doesn't seem to be – it gets to the temperature, it should switch off. It looks like it's switched off, but it keeps on going. Yeah, right. Um, and so only one tank seems to be happy at the moment and the other two are kind of dictated by what's happening in that one. Yeah, okay. Um, so it's just a little bit of juggling and, you know, getting it getting it to a temp that you, you think is okay and then letting it go up a couple of degrees then knocking it down, turning it back on and – was this something um, that wasn't um, an issue previously? No, no. But so the thing with the brewery is a lot of the gear is 30 years old. Um, yeah, right. Okay. Some of it, I mean, a lot of it's been replaced, you know, bits and pieces, but the essential gear, you know, so we got, we got a new glycol pump, which we're concerned maybe put too much pressure behind some of the, the valves, but we don't see how that would happen. But, you know, that, that's something we've changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I'm sure you'd know Dave from troubleshooting and business. If you've changed something, that's probably the culprit. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and yeah, lots of things are breaking because the brewery had essentially been shut down for two years. Yeah, and everything's old. So, you know, that's been a real challenge of just get everything back and running smoothly. Um, but you know, Mark, our brewer is, is excellent at, at managing all that. So. Um, yeah. Atta boy, Mark E. Good job, Mark. And, and people are super pumped around town. That's great. That's so yeah. like, are you like, is that just organic excitement or are you doing stuff to um, build some anticipation around? It's mostly organic. It's pretty much all organic, really. Like, we've had a couple of articles in the paper. And one of the cool things about this town is there's still a, you know, small locally owned paper. Yeah. Um, owned by. Uh, yeah, a, a local family. It's kind of cool to, to get articles in there and have their support. That's great. That's huge. 
if it's, and a lot is of the it pub- like locally embraced yeah i think so i think most people read it still and just chatting to the publicans and bottle shops there's two bottle shops uh and then you know a handful of pubs and everyone's saying how everyone all customers are coming and asking for local beer at the moment and there hasn't That's been awesome. for a couple of years and so i think there's a real excitement around that and there's there's a couple of home brewers that have stopped in um for a chat and, and dropped in some beers uh there's been we've also um i think i might have talked about this last time we spoke but the co-working slash technology hub next door yeah um they you know doing games development and um all sorts of stuff there as the company that owns it and then there's you know a few other companies that work out of there and um they're just super excited too uh you know and they're a you know, they're kind of a, a really social company they're always sort of doing social days and you know, they're a, you know, a young, cool technology company. Um, they'll be, yeah, they'll be in regularly, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, I know they're really excited and, you know, I think we'll probably brew a beer with them on the pilot kit um, for, you know, if they're doing a launch or something. Um, and there's also next door to us in their car park is a, a really good little coffee cart uh, called the Nourish Nook, if you're ever in Westport. Um, young, run by a really young couple and, um, they're just you know super lovely, making really good coffee. Uh, so I feel like there's a nice little environment around us at the moment. It's like the um, I don't even know if quintessential is the word, but it's like the dream small community scenario. Like yeah. you're next door to this, you're down the road from that. Everyone's excited. There's a local paper that people are interested in that's supporting. It's just like. Every one of those like dream scenario items is like being ticked off. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, our concern has always been the volume that we have to make at a time. Yeah. And, you know, 2,500 litres, you know, with all that stuff happening around us, the town is only still 4,000 people. Um, yes. And it's, you know, pretty isolated, like the whole coast. I think it's 35,000 people um, and, you know, the geography of New Zealand, essentially that's cut off from the rest of New Zealand um, without a, you know, a pretty expensive flight out of Westport or a four-hour drive. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, that's always going to be a concern is how much beer can locals drink. Sure. Um, but hopefully quite a lot. Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess you've got to just, um, yeah, we're trying to keep people pumped all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we've got, you know, we'll be obviously doing as many events and pop-ups and stuff as we can. It is, yeah, yeah. And we have kind of missed a lot of events this year and uh, Omicron or COVID restrictions are cancelling a few coming up. Uh, there's the, a big marathon in town every February, which is, I don't know if they've made a decision on that just yet, but um, we would have missed that anyway with our, our launch. But, you know, I, I guess a good thing is I've spoken to them and, and they're really keen to, you know, they have a big beer tent after the marathon and, and they're really keen to have our beer involved um, going forward. So I think we need to kind of get through the, the, the COVID and the next few months and then we'll have a real strong idea of, of where we fit into the, for sure, into the landscape. For sure. Um, so you mentioned Feb as your initial 
um, target for opening. What's the current uh, current date looking like? The current date is now we're getting our packaged stuff done on the 1st of March. Uh, so mobile canning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's driving over on the Sunday. Uh, hang on. Uh, he's driving on the 27th. We'll be packaging on the 28th. Um, our three cores will be going into cans. I think we're going to do a series of launches throughout the week because we're only licensed for 30 and because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want, you know, my my family or my friends to all rock up on Friday and not get in. Yeah. Um, or I don't want the guys at the the technology place next door to, you know, knock off on Friday and they want to want to come have a look and they can't get in. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, of course. So I think we're going um, to do. So if your if your capacity is restricted to thirty, what 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 are the current restrictions there? I don't know. I haven't looked. Okay. They've changed. The other day, and I think we'll be limited to maybe half of that based on our uh-huh. square meter. But I haven't. Yeah, that's that's pretty far down my list at the moment to yeah to look at. Um, but yeah, I think we'll try and say to people, book you know from Wednesday to Friday. We're just going to do a series of you know and just email this out to friends, family, um, and some trade, and say these are the times to come in. Um, you know, we've got two hour window. Come in for a free tasting paddle and a chat. Um, and then the Saturday will open just to the public. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to, you know, I want to make sure everyone comes in and has a look um, and can get a beer and a, a chat rather than having to wait. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. That way, like if you split it up and people can come at different times, then that's also more face time that you can have with customers that come in and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we can, we can plan what we've got, you know, our paddles and everything a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know what's throwing us, Dave? This is the most, this is going to blow people's minds in Australia. Yeah. Beer, mostly sold in supermarkets and retail in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly in cardboard boxes. Right. Rather than uh, like a six pack clip or yeah. whatever they yeah. call those things pack tech yeah so yeah coming over here i think you know if, if you're packaging beer in australia your kind of base product is slabs and then you have six or sorry four six packs inside of that yep uh, i think most breweries that's probably you know about right of how they're doing yep. it. you know some four six you know, packs six four packs that's about it yeah um yeah and in the pack tech clips you sell them the supermarket in the slab, they break down the, the clips, you know, they break them down into the six pack or yep. they put singles. Uh, in New Zealand, it's all boxes of six packs. Uh, and not, sorry, not all, but mostly in the supermarkets and mostly it's the brands. So Emerson's, Garage Project, Behemoth, um, and a few of the smaller brands, Castles, uh, who are seem to be really aggressive in this market at the moment. Yeah, um, right. Okay. They all have these enclosed folding, you know, fold boxes with a little, what do you call that at the front? little handle groove or whatever. It's fully enclosed yeah. uh, in a, a six-pack box. And that kind of, that's thrown us a, lo- a little because. Just because you hadn't thought of it? Yeah, I didn't consider that. And I thought, yeah. you know, selling them into that means your whole packaging process is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for for us, 
you know, having to, to hand pack our core range into boxes for the supermarket is quite a lot of work. That's a lot of time, yeah. Also, so is that a is that a requirement? No, it's basically, and and I guess the, the next part of that is there are variations on that. There's four, there's ten. Everyone, or a lot of breweries have a different variation, and then a lot of breweries are still doing bottles, you know, boxes of bottles as well. So it's just a lot of different size boxes. But it has to be um, boxed? It doesn't have to be. So I spoke to okay. another brewery. They used to do the compostable ones, you know, yeah. the, the cardboardy ones. Yeah, the, said, um, the egg carton sort of one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he said they, and they did it, you know, into a slab, and you pull them out, and there's six in a, one of those. They quite often end up on the bottom shelf at the, you know, the kind of floor well of those yeah. chillers, you know, those open chillers. Yeah. So that'd be next to Emerson's or Garage Project who would have a schmick box with yeah. their logo on the front and then next to that would be their cans and all you can see are the, the silver tops. Sure. So for sure, it's like the the real estate for branding is immense on those yeah. big six-pack boxes. So I can definitely yeah. understand why that's an element. The um, And speaking to, to people, and I... I spent an entire day, I think I maybe spoke to half a dozen people for 30 minutes at least each about this, you know, how do we approach it as a young brewery, a new brewery, you know, we need to, if we're selling into any supermarkets, we need to look as good as Garage Project or Emerson's. Um, otherwise, there's no point being in that in that supermarket. Yeah. Um, because someone's just going to pick up the thing that looks better. Yeah. There's no point and, having people just go, like, look look over your product for someone else's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, even though you can say, oh, it's not possible, we, we can't compete with that. Well, like, you either then don't sell it in the supermarket or you do. Um, yeah. So, and then I sp- you know, spoke to my someone that has a supermarket and they said, for us, we love the boxes because it doesn't matter how we pack our shelves. Yeah, it's um, very stackable. Yeah, you um, put them on their sides. There's visuals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just it's become a whole process that we hadn't planned for. Yeah, it's interesting though. And I guess kind of the funny thing about it is seeing how many breweries in Australia have struggled with the um, you know, the recycling element of the pack tech ones because you yeah. can't really recycle them. They need to go through a particular process. And you know, the IBA had a, a scheme uh, with Dan Murphy's to you know, take them to recycling points. Uh, pilot mm-hmm. scheme that's happening. Bright Brewery had a similar. Um, they had their own pilot scheme. There was, um, you know, I think they they are fully recycled anyway, or they're partly made from recycled material. Um, but then in New Zealand, it's just oh, we just put it in a cardboard box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and but even the, the, the recyclability, like it's, and like yeah. the more I was thinking about it, the more like. That's the best way to package six packs. Like, yeah, it's really easy it's, to carry them. It's easy to carry. It's stackable. There's all this real estate for branding that you've got. Sort of takes the pressure. You have the conversation in Australia about the difficulty of, of brands having um, uh, not just recognizable, but an appealing can mm. on the shelf. Whereas that's a different medium altogether. So yep. you could have these pretty cans or whatever, but then have a more targeted, um, bolder artwork on the boxes to get them in people's hands. And that doesn't really matter what's on the cans, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a way different approach that 
the more I was thinking about it, the more I was like, yeah, that's 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 better. Yeah, um, and I, I haven't really talked to too many of the larger breweries about how they're actually doing it, whether or not you know, it's part of their depalletizing, you know, just pack straight into those. Um, you know, will be obviously all by hand. Yeah. But, um, and I, I, there is probably a recyclability element to them as well, whether or not they're all fully recyclable, recyclable um, because they are a, a fibre cardboard basically because they're a bit, mm-hmm. you know, they need to handle moisture. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just a completely new way of doing things for, you know, that I think it's been only in the last maybe 18 months it's really taken off here in New Zealand. But, you know, coming from Australia where, is really only it's all cans and it's all slabs or six packs. Yeah. And there's really nothing else. And then here it's a mixture of cans, bottles, mixed packs, um, four packs, three by twos. You know, everyone's kind of trying to do their own thing. There's different sizes. What's a three by two? Like you got a mixed pack of three beers, two each. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, or there's like 10 or there's, you know, it's, it's quite chaotic and, one so that's kind of surprised me. Um, the other thing that surprised me is Tuatara don't do cans at all, right? Um, and you know, you think of a brand like that being you know a pioneer and national distribution and owned by a major, and and maybe they do cans somewhere, but I yeah, and again, the New Zealand market isn't really fully switched to cans yet. Is that right? And do you think it will or do you think that they just haven't embraced it the way we have? I don't know because I would have said coming over here, yeah, it would have happened easily by now, how quickly we've seen it in the Australian market. Yeah. You know, I don't think you would launch a brewery now and think about bottling. Oh, and you just wouldn't. Um, at, at least in a major, you know, or even, sorry, you know, there will be smaller, you know, regional breweries that, that, you know, the cost of canning is obviously prohibitive. But, you know, again, a brewery like Tuatara not having cans. That's not a, that's not a barrier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting what we've been gravitating to on the shelf because the other thing is supermarkets here don't treat the beer well. Right. Um, there's a lot of ambient temp storage. Um, by the time it gets to a town like Westport, you know, it's it probably been through a few hands and it's a little bit old. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're like buying beer. You kind of need to be really careful of what you're buying. Um, so it's been interesting what our purchasing habits and how they've changed. How do you um, control that? Like when you say you got to be careful, what can you control? Well, you can't really because it's all through yeah. New World. Like, I think probably sure. New World is probably the biggest seller of beer in New Zealand. Yeah, right. Um, and they, but I mean, like, a... you, you, like you can look at the package dates, but that won't give you any indication of how it's been handled along the way. Tell you what, Dave, you bloody can't because they're all in boxes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they so they don't put that on the. No, it's on the can. <sighs> What's the culture like with opening a six pack and not, uh, we... and not buying it? This whole throughout this whole process, and including like we've been designing our cans and our, our labels while we've been here as well. Yeah. So Emma and I have stood in front of that aisle and opened boxes and <laughs> looked, bog, you know, we've like whatever the culture is, we've smashed through yeah, okay. that. And right. 
we're probably just known as the people that stand in front of that that beer shelf. Yeah. If, 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 if there's a six pack that's been opened, do they yeah. get snapped up still, or is that like a? Mm. Uh, well, there's no singles here either. Sorry, there is singles, but you, I don't think you can break apart a six pack. You know how right. I guess an Australian bottle shop, and I, I you just do it, yeah, yeah, you just rip a thing off, but you're not going to take one out of a box here, right? Because no one's going to look in the box before they buy it. And I yeah, don't, there's I no single prices on shelves. There's a single section, which is generally the sort of one-off and, and special release stuff. Yeah, the six packs are intact. You don't you don't break them up. Interesting. So, <clears throat> what's the is the what's the pricing like? Like it's about the same. Yeah, right. You can so get it's like... a you can get a, a like a Boundary Road, which is a, somewhat of a major owned. I can't remember the ownership structure now, but they're yeah. you know one of those brands, supermarkety brand. You can get a six pack of their beer for thirteen bucks. Yeah, but then the, um, if you buy a slab of that, it's going to be what forty six to forty eight dollars. Don't know. I, there's not really that many slabs here. Yeah, right. As such, but because uh, like there's something like six pack economy is so weird. Like uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it, the a six pack of VB is about the same price as a six pack of Moondog Old Mate. Yeah, but also but a slab is two six packs of anything is about the price of a of a slab. Yeah, and that's because because you look at a price of a, a slab of VB or Crown or whatever, and it's fifty bucks, and then a slab of say yeah Moondog or Stone and Water something is you know sixty to to eighty bucks. Yeah. Um, and it's because they can bump up their six-pack prices to be just under the craft stuff. Yeah, it's true. And know they're going to sell slabs and still make money off those. Yeah, um, exactly. But six-pack here will be, you know, 21 to 24 um, for, a you know, a, a, something that we'd probably want to buy. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll, we could probably get ours at about that price point. Um, for the moment, and you know, again, you probably need to be at that price point for the beers we're making. Yep. Um, but yeah, the um, oh yeah, coming back to sort of the, how it's treated as well. So New World does most of the beer, and they have a, a beer inside a competition every year, which is quite a big deal. Um, you know, it's in, like any awards, you send your beer in, it gets tasted. And if you, you know, in the top 30, um, you get national distribution for, I think, 300 cases. Nice. Um, but it specifies, and I think, you know, maybe it's a little bit just been discussed in the past, but it specifies um, the winning product will be shipped to our where our ambient warehouse. Um, so they yeah, specify right. that, that it's going to be stored ambiently. It's not going to be cold chain. And then... You know, for a brand like us, three hundred beers would three hundred cases would be huge. I'd love that. Yeah, but how long is it going to sit in that ambient warehouse for? Exactly, and it's such a weirdly like it's so specific for the not ideal scenario. Yeah. It's like they know what's what's good and what they should be doing, and they're specifying that that's not the case, rather than just like not saying anything at all. You'd think people that are 
highlighting that are ones that are providing the service. Yes, but because it's beer and supermarket here, you know, they don't really need to change because if you're if you have national aspirations, you kind of need to play play in that field. Sure. Because otherwise, no one's you know, bottle shops. I don't know how much I I, I don't know the divide, and I'm only speaking anecdotally. But yeah, m- most people are buying beer from supermarket. So you know, what do you what do you do as a brand? And maybe we explore that further down on on podcasts later on because. You know, it's such a different different dichotomy, dichotomy to what we know in Australia. Yeah, it really is. And as a consumer, it, it fucking sucks. Um, there's, no, there's so much stale yeah. beer on shelves. Yeah, and there's not really any, like it's a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah. So I guess our habits are I'm buying a lot of Emerson's because it tastes so good. Yeah, right. Like I've had. What are the, what, what are the Emerson's core beers these days? Um, the ones we've been <clears throat> buying, because we did a, um, we doing some sensory at the, the brewery, just with some beers to get kind of mine, Emma's and Mark's palettes, all kind of, you know, yep. some awareness of, of yep. yeah, how we're all tasting. Um, and the first one we did, I chucked in the Orange Ruffy from uh, Emerson's and the Bird Dog IPA. I'm Orange not sure if I've about had Emerson at uh, the what was the Orange Ruffy? Yeah, that t- must What's be a new one. Um, it's like a 4.5% hazy pale. Okay. Uh, and it uses Vic Secret hops along with, I think, some American hops, maybe El Dorado and Mosaic. Yeah. Man, it was good. Yeah? It was, yeah. It really, the Vic Secret hops really shone in that. Um you know how the, I guess the Australian kind of I, I get from those especially I get so stone fruit, a little bit of tropical fruit, mm-hmm. um, and that really just stood out in that. Um, and, and as I said earlier, we're we're doing all New Zealand hops for our core range, but whew, that beer really made me rethink uh, getting some Australian hops and something. I like um, that. I like that. Um, what's I sort of know what you and Emma's palate's like. What's Mark's palate like? He loves traditional styles, doesn't he? Um, he is super into Castle's Nectaron IPA. Um, What's that style? So Nectaron is a New Zealand hop. It's somewhat new as well. Um, and so that's just kind of a, a West Coast-ish probably IPA featuring that hop. He drinks a lot of the Panhead Sundowner Hazy Pale. I've had, mm-hmm. I, I grabbed a six pack to give to a mate, uh, a friend of mine who manages one of the local trucking companies. He's been helping us out down to the point of we've been getting deliveries to him and he's been forklifting them down to us uh, before we got our forklift. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got a ton and a half of grain arriving. Can you can you unload it and forklift it down? That's uh, great. He's been doing that for nothing. So I've been buying him some beers and I got him a six pack of those. Uh, and then we, we had a couple, and yeah, that was that was pretty good. The, the Panhead Sundowner, um, and that's a yeah hazyish pale. Oh wait, is it called Sundowner? Maybe it's not. God, Sandman. Sorry, Sandman. Sundowner from Sundowner is probably a better name. Maybe maybe we'll use Sundowner that. Sundowner was a Sundowner was the name of a pale ale from like a, I think it was like a supermarket brand here. Salt Brewery, the um, 
Australian. The oh no, it was the it was the. Uh, you know what? I might be talking nonsense. And I think, yeah, every tasting we've kind of there's a Venn diagram between the three of us. Yep. Of you know things that I'm picking up. Um, he probably f- prefers lower carbonation. He's English, so yeah. Sometimes I'll be like carbonation spot on for this. Loved it, and he's like mm, a bit over carb for me. Uh, How do you approach that conversation then? Like, does he understand? Like, is there an understanding about what like overall beer profile you're looking to produce? Yeah, I think so. And I th- look to be honest. I don't really care that much about carbonation. Yeah, fair enough. It's never, you know, as, as long as it's reasonable, I'm never. It's never really make or break for me. So, yeah, uh, I'm ha- I'm happy for him to sort of make make that call if if he wants to, you know, carbonate a beer lower. Um, and tasting that dark lager today, he's already sort of thinking about tweaking that recipe and uh, doing a kind of a an ale version of that for a, a cask, maybe on the yep. pilot or something. Um, so yeah, yeah, um, and that that beer, the one you know, the the what I taste today, that would be gorgeous out of a cask. Uh, oh, it's the know, perfect we ta- kind we of taste beer it out of a tank. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, having just been buying Emerson's, obviously, uh, had a really good Mochawaka single hop from Brothers Beer up in Auckland. Lindsay used to work at Brothers Beer. Oh, is that right? Uh, I think in the bar, I think it was pre-brewing career for Lindsay, but uh, Mochawaka Hazy, I can't remember what it was called. Um, and again, it wasn't super fresh. It was pretty tasty. And I, I got it in a mixed, a mixed six-pack. Uh, green Haze. Yeah, yeah nice. so um, and we, we I chucked it into one of our sensory in the blind tasting, and uh, I think both Emma and Mark found it a bit sweet. Uh-huh. Uh, Mochi hops give a lot of uh, gave a lot of lime cordial flavors. Okay, and I think maybe it was just a, a month or two old, older than it should just have been. So like that, it. yeah, right. Yeah, but oomph to uh, sort of combat that. Yeah, but when I was drinking it uncritically on the couch, um, you know, with three or four other beers in mm-hmm. the evening, that was really stood out as a, a real tasty and. Again, that almost made me rethink because I don't think we've got much waker in our hop allocation at the moment, and it made me sort of think, oh, maybe that could we could throw that into something, and it would would be a really good addition. Um, maybe a bit of a boost in the pale ale or something. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and we are. I mean, we are being really cautious with our hopping. Yeah. Um, and partly that is, you know, we, we've got a core range that's all 2,500 litres. So we do need, you know, I, I do want to be a bit careful with that. I don't want to go crazy yeah, and then go, yeah, of course. you know, we're not really happy with this character. And, and New Zealand hops do, I think, can get away on people sometimes. Um, you know, Citra, Mosaic, American hops, you can, I think, you can probably be a little bit looser with those. Um, whereas a New Zealand hop and a, a hazy can get a bit, you know, there's some intense characters that can get a bit much. What's the Australian beers that you've been enjoying, Dave? Um, drinking a lot of if I if ever I go um, to get beers, I like basically will go and try and pick up something like a pilsner or a lager that I haven't seen before. 
typically deeds or Mr. Banks are putting those out, then mm. you'll see a pattern here, Luke. Then I'll look for some kind of silly hazy where, again, Mr. Banks and deeds um, are the ones putting those out. And then yeah. um, something more West Coasty typically. And yeah. guess what? Deeds and Mr. Banks, as well as um, <laughs> range and mountain culture, they're yep. going through my um, they're going through my um, fridge with pretty uh, pretty regular uh, occurrences. Um, mountain culture are on fire; they really are. Like it's almost impossible to grab something that isn't terrific. Um, they did a West Coast IPA recently that I'm trying to think of which one it was. That was so great. I'll try and find it for you here. What was so it? some of the complaints with the banks, West Coast in particular, that they're essentially hazy and not classic West Coast. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That, that's a fair criticism, but they're definitely a real whack um they're a real whack more bitter yeah. um, than a lot of the hazies that are coming out there. So yeah, I think that's a that's a fair comment, but I mean you gotta <laughs> you gotta know who you're uh, who you're buying, I think. To... Well it's also interesting you get an IPA on the west coast of the USA now and it's probably gonna be hazy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, and at what point does that style start and end? You know, does that style end in 2015? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It IPA. happened. I mean, I think for everyone here that has the conversation, it ends. It it ends when we started having the conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our our it's, thoughts aren't evolving with it. It's called kicking it old school. Was the one I'm talking about, and it was okay. Terrific, terrific. I, um, um, I saw a really good comment about the Triple J, and good in the wrong way. I think I saw someone say. I was lucky to live through the era of Triple J. My youth was in the era of Triple J that was the best era. Um, I mean, that's a little weren't, slice. Yeah. They weren't saying it ironically. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's a youth radio station. Yes, exactly right. And, of course you gravitated. And, yeah, and also, who would have thought the time where you had the least responsibilities and the most opportunity to enjoy new music and all that sort of stuff? Hey, happened around your uh, your youth at times. Your, your formative years mm-hmm. turns out formed your, your opinion forever. Exactly right. Think of that. I'm pretty blessed these days to think of you know the, the beers that you reeled off. You know, the, the I guess thinking of mountain culture and range as well. You know, I'm guessing you were just kind of popping into Carwin to pick these up. Yeah, and I've, uh, there's also upside um, upside uh, sellers, which is closer to me. I think okay. it's relatively new. Um, I think I mentioned them on the last show, but like, I kind of like going to them more because it's less. Oh, it depends what my, what I'm feeling like. But if I'm just if I don't have anything specific in mind, I, I like going there more just because it's a smaller selection and it feels like I don't know. It feels like you earn a good beer a bit more. I, that, that doesn't make any sense. But going to Carwin's too easy. Carwin's um, cheap mode. It's is it is cheat mode, but sometimes I like feel like a um, like a Belgian blonde ale, and yeah. that's not going to be at 
the smaller bottle shop. But I know there's going to yeah. be several different kinds of Carwin, so um, I'll go there. But um... <clears throat> that also sounds like we're kind of disrespecting the fucking incredibly hard work that Carwin have put in over the years to get to definitely. Oh, look, I think I've said it before. Like, Carwin's not my favorite place because they're the best. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I I think I've the, the the biggest thing I've said is like, I'll go to Carwin and go to the bar, and there'll be one beer that I want on tap out of twenty two or whatever. But the other twenty one beers are all incredible. Yeah, it's just not really for me. So like, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, like they're like. For me personally, their only flaw is being the best. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a. And also, I mean, like they they have everything, like like they've got so much interesting spirits, um, and and liqueurs there. They've got a like unbelievable wine selection. It really is like you'd probably struggle to find a better um, alcohol shop that encompasses everything. Yeah, the only one I could I, I would put up there is Mr. West. Yeah, definitely along those. I mean, and I and mean that's, that's probably pretty biased because we both live and we both lived incredibly close to them. Uh, of course, but I mean those uh, two. Just, uh, shout out to Dan at Otter's Promise. He doesn't have the size range of them, but he certainly has the quality across. He's the got board. the quality for sure, but those two places are going for something very pointy, and I don't yes. think that's. Um, the luxury that a lot of people either have or want to undertake. So it takes some balls to do it and it takes some a lot of work and they're putting it in. So yeah. fair play to them. Yeah. Um, I just touched on the Triple J Hottest 100. Yeah. Gabs happened um, this it year. It did. I'm looking at the list right now. I saw a lot of people, you know, the, all the all the usual criticisms. Um, this is the first year in a while there's no commentary piece, and I don't think anyone really wanted it this year. No, uh, I certainly didn't want to do it again. I don't really know where I fit in the like active um, active beer community anymore. But like, I know it doesn't really appeal to me at all anymore, and I assume that's maybe not so much uh, identical, but I think that is shifting that way um, uh, at a higher rate. Yeah. And I think where, it, I, like my opinion of it is that the market is in an awkward middle phase where it's too big for interesting little beers of um, smaller producers or just uh, interesting little beers of the uh, bigger producers aren't getting anywhere near as many votes to crack the top whatever. And it's also mm. not big enough for the market to get around those other beers. So it's just so many 4 to 6% pale ales and lagers that make up almost all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm just skipping through it now, and you know that, that, that's kind of the the main criticism, isn't it? It's you know a pale ale list. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think as 
you know, my takeaway always is probably most of the beers outside of maybe 10, if you gave me it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, for sure. The quality is like, it's again, year after year, the quality of the list is going to be going up notches and notches and notches, like without yeah. a doubt. But, I mean, yeah, of the... Rising tide lifts all boats. So um, that's a definitely a great um, a great element of it. But as far as variety goes, it's not a it's not a compelling list to read. I think there's. I also think a couple of things happen in the narrative that get overlooked, um, and uh, it's a shame for some of these beers. Um, just scrolling through here. Uh, the Grifter got a couple of beers in and, you know, shout out to those guys because they've been making really good beers for, for a long time. And I don't think mm-hmm. they really get super amounts of love from the, the wider industry. Sunday Road Brewing, who, remember they had the dark lager in the um, Enigma, Enigma pack? Yes, that was good. Um, that was really good. They've got a couple of beers in there and, Capital you know, it's kind of cool had a seeing. Great, had a great outing. Who's that, sorry? They sort of had Capital Brewing, got sort of, yep. I don't know, yep. four to six beers in the top 100. Yeah. So, you know, there are, I think, those little sub-stories, and I think um, Bod Reggie ended up with a few in there. Hawker's West Coast uh, always sort of pops up in there. And, you know, they're not they're not in the top 10. You know, again, looking at the top 10, I saw this criticism of, like, you know, independent breweries don't have a chance anymore. Out of the top 10, that's, there's eight, I think, that are independent. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and I mean, Young Henry's Newtowner, that beer, you know, a lot of people say that, oh, you know, that's a bit of a mainstream beer and, um, whatever. But every time, every Young Henry's beer I've had, or I had in the last year. It's was, so good. Yeah. It really man, is so good. I don't know whether or not I just never really paid attention or they've improved, but whew, they're, um, they're, yeah. They've you, got, um, they've got, uh, strong, um, strong passion for, live music and i think they i think their sales team target live music venues to put some of their beers on it so if you yeah. go to um if you go to a gig and you've got a new towner you're having a good time that's the perfect yeah. gig beer, i reckon um yeah everything i've had yeah yeah so uh, yeah if you've slept on young henry's and you you know you think maybe they're not for you or they're a bit mainstream or whatever Absolutely, stick one in your, your shopping oh, cart. And also, like if you if you're also thinking the list this list is boring, I'm not that interested. F- fine, but all those beers are going to be very good quality. So yeah, the, yeah don't don't the, don't sleep on that. The the big question mark is around the better beer zero carb. Do you know much about this beer, Dave? No, I actually saw it on a shelf. And I thought it was a Brick Lane beer. It had a very similar. Um... You know, there's a legal case around that happening right now. Oh, I didn't. So yeah, I no, mean, there is. That makes that makes sense to me then. Yeah. Um, yeah, Brick Lane. Uh, um, I, I don't know the specifics around it, so I don't want to speak to it too much. There was a, I think it was in Brews News recently, but yeah, there is a discussion yeah around. Oh, i believe it because i'm actually drinking right now the sidewinder the yeah um low alcohol xpa 
Um, and I don't even think this is the beer that I had in mind, but even, even this can to that can is a pretty striking resemblance. So, um, it's really yeah, funny because I, I saw in the comments people saying, oh, they're not that similar. You know, like, what do you, what do you, what do you, you know, that's crazy. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, even if you, you know, I don't think they stole it. I don't think there's malicious intent, but if you don't think they look it's like similar, similar cans, yeah. you're like, you're crazy to me. Yeah, you're um, kidding yourself. But is there also Better Beer is the name of um, uh, importer in Melbourne as well that does all the Kiwi yeah. beers. Um, so there's a bit of controversy around them for that as well. Like it's a bit shit that I think it's owned by Mighty Craft or they're an investor through whatever the thing. Um, so that's a bit shit because Better Beer has been, you know, they're an original kind of, you know, when everything was taking off in yeah, 2008. Yeah, when the whips were cracking, they were bringing beers in for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and and um, It is interesting though. Like that's an interesting brand to get so many votes. Well, so the um, – Mighty Craft co-owned through one of their subsidiaries. Of, I don't know, but it's also with the uninspired, inspired, unemployed. Do you know anything about these guys, Dave? Um, is that the podcast? I think they're like a YouTube skip thing. Yeah, right. No, I've, I think I've actually heard them in a um, Spotify ad, and it made me sick. Um. Yeah, I've so, seen a couple, and just I think you would have maybe seen a couple like organically. Yeah, you know, they're they're pretty popular, and uh, I don't know, uh, seem fine. I like the oh, um, the ads that I've heard on Spotify is not fine. It's not okay. it's a not a good ad to 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 me. It's not a good ad to me. I I enjoy the 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 kids from Fairbarn Films. Uh, if you're looking for Aussie skit comedians on uh, YouTube. Um, I think they're much much funnier than what I've seen. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, yeah, so the they have a huge following, and I think they pushed you know vote for us. You know, normally I wouldn't say, you know, no, I pretty you know in, in their own way every beer I think is deserving. In this case, as a beer, probably not. I've never had it. I don't really care to ever have it. Sure, you know, nothing about it excites me happy to be proven wrong but i'm in a different you know what i like what i've just seen number 69 sober beverages pepperberry ipa now the reason i mean if you look further up the list you'll see that uh where was i just found it before uh the heaps normal was number 20 for the xpa but i can sort of see them garnering more votes than sober so yep. I'm real stoked for them to um, grab one so high up the list. And that's kind of an interesting one, I reckon, that Pepperberry IPA. So that's really good. Well, to and it's, it's kind of cool. And I think both of these, you know, the, the better beer one and this, are examples of different looks at our industry. You know, Sober is, you know, an Indigenous-owned company doing non-elk beers with native ingredients. Mm-hmm. Which rules? Like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's great that that's part of, you know, part of a list of you know a hundred great craft beers now. Um, you know, whether it's to people's tastes or not is beside the point, I think. And I guess, you know, maybe that is the same argument could be made for the inspired unemployed beer. 
that yeah, it, just, it adds it adds a different flavor to the list. I mean, in a zero carb beer marketed by a big company with, you know, influences, mm-hmm. it's not very exciting to me. But yeah, you know. no, of course. Another shout out. I think this is interesting. Again, we've already mentioned Capital, but they've got um, at forty nine, which is high for this particular beer, I think. But West Coast NEIPA with Mountain Culture collab. Yes, I can't imagine that saw a lot of distribution, but well, Mountain Culture famously don't put themselves in the list. Yeah, right. Okay. Which then. I think probably tips a lot of people, you know, will want to vote for them and that tips them. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That makes sense then. Um, um, another one, uh, personal shout out, 76, Hop Nation, Rattenhund, should be number one uh, yeah. probably. Um, and like, you look 76, 77, 78, then 77 is Enigma Ale from Sunday Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Enigma Hop. I haven't had that one, but and then other side Anthem IPA, like you know, they're three home runs of beers all in a line. Exactly right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another one I want to shout out. Um, just absolute stalwart. I don't. Re- I mean, it's it's got to be a testament to the beer and the brand. But number fourteen, Beachy Pale from Bridge Road Brewers. Yep, that's incredible. Like to be consistently as high as it is. Where it's not grow, it's not growing at the same rate as the industry has in its time among the top beers. So yep. that's um, incredible. And again, either side, you got a Bolter Hazy and Beer Farm Royal Haze. Yeah, it's in like, good company. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when you when you take the list as a whole, you you know the things that stand out are like Coopers or, um, you know, Stone Award and Bolter again at the top and. Uh, little creatures and you know mountain goat goat beer yeah of course you look at it and go oh my god that sucks you know they're all boring but then when you start picking it apart there's some pretty fun beers in there oh yeah individually all the beers like a, a great a great level of quality it's um yeah pretty impressive and i don't know much about ridiculous... 10 toes do you know 10 toes no not off the top of my head no okay what about, and there's some uh, ridiculous beers in there as what well. About like Black Flag. Uh, yeah, I know a little bit about them. Never had any of their beers, though. To see the only Pirate Life beer, I think, being the South Coast Pale Ale. That's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Their pale, their regular pale and IPA were always pretty good performers. I haven't had that. I haven't had a Pirate Life beer in a long time. Uh, I haven't I haven't had that particular one, but I don't know when like they were when they were taking over the scene with that pale ale, like it's surprising to see a different pale ale, the only one on the list for them. Yeah. That's crazy how they've just fallen away so much from this this world. And as we said there, you know, this space is expanding into different people doing different things for different audiences. Yeah. Yet I'm not sure where where Pirate Life fit into that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, And I guess we... We also should just say congratulations to, I mean, everyone that, that made it, but Ben spoke um, for oh, winning again. Yeah. And again, all the criticism for it, this is a, you know, what is it, a 6% IPA. I think I yeah, stood up at an like... industry industry discussion about Gabs at Good Beer Week and said it was a West Coast IPA and, and 
you know, how great it is that, that this is was number one. Like, you know, it's incredible. Uh, and Richard from Ben's Folk shot me down and said, it's not a West Coast. <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, you probably think it does fit into that more than anything, but whatever. I mean, paying your does it Richard. fit into that? Or is it just because of what IPA has become as a whole that it doesn't fit anywhere else but that, really? Uh, I think the style that most, or the beers that most influenced that beer or what these beers are now. Yeah, it would be a West Coast side beer. Yeah, yeah, sure. like yeah. Sierra Nevada Pale. You know, if you were to draw a lineage from Sierra Nevada Pale, Crankshaft is in that family tree. Mm-hmm. And I think Sierra Nevada Pale is, you know, is ground zero for West Coast IPA. Even though it's not an IPA, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's a fair uh, comment anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lovely beer. Um, shout out to, to Richard and the team. For, yeah, back to back. That's incredible. Yeah. It really and, is. Because they're not like, they're not marketing animals. They're just making no. terrific beer consistently. I think I remember sending you a message before I left Australia. I was drinking Flem, the uh, Flanders. Um, I thought the can was looking really cool. I just was like, I think, you know, there's times when we kind of underestimate Ben Spoke as a brewery because a, a can of really, really well-made Flanders-style ale, sour ale, like when you really think about that, that's so hard to achieve at the, the size they do it on. For sure. That's great. Like, Absolutely. holy shit, what, a, what, what an achievement of a beer. Definitely, yeah. It's um, I think yeah, I think there's a lot of there's like a lot of brands that get slept on because they're now part of the furniture. Yeah. Like if you're not, if you're not greeting the public with a new forty four forty mil can of something extreme regularly, it's hard to stay part of the conversation. Yeah. Uh- Mosaic Citra Hazy with a bright label and 440 yep. mil can. Mm-hmm. Uh, get the fuck out you of here. You get talked about, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, coming back to Rattenhund, I just scrolled past it again from Hop Nation. Um, mm-hmm. they, they made a, a hype pilsner in, in a market that just had no interest in that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's awesome. And it's cool to see that pop up in the top 100 because it's, it's so good. And it's not I think, a... I think I would never over like I would never not get that if I saw it. It's yeah. too good. It's too. It's the. It's perfectly executed. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Shout out to everyone uh, that got a beer in there. Um, everyone that missed out um, as well. Like, there are so many beers. You know, so many breweries that that didn't get beers in there. I almost um, always a... like. I think I almost in, always enjoy looking at the 101 to 200 um, list when that comes Which, out a week later or whatever. Yeah, that normally comes out the same day. Um, I think they've changed things around. So yeah, right. top 100 indies and 101 to 200 and top 100 new beers. Yeah, I always um, quite like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably where a lot of our, you know, breweries that, that you kind of wonder well they you know i thought they might have snuck in um that's kind of when they where they end up 
Um, you know, thinking maybe like a fixation. Um, who else? Did Wildflower have beers in there? I'm sure they did. In the yeah yeah I think so. Um, yeah. Anyway, good. Uh, how good is it seeing a list of beers? That, you know, five years ago, most of these beers didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. But also, not only that, not only did they not exist five years ago, now, not like a lot of the beers on the list, like evoke something from us. Yeah, which is quite quite fun too. Um, Dave, we've been recording for a while at this point. What? Have, oh, we sure have. Yeah. I'm uh, getting to be a sleepy boy. It's it's past my bedtime here. Yeah, the time sure. I mean, it's approaching my bedtime, so it's got to be it's got to be around yours. Yeah, um, early start in the morning. What is it? Friday. Oof. Yep, got to uh, pay bills on a Friday, so brewery stay life, sharp for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, just quickly before we wrap up, just touching back on the on the brewery um, briefly. Where are you at yes. with um, your food direction? Oh, so I guess people that don't know New Zealand licensed venues, you have to have three food offerings, substantial food offerings, um, which is quite challenging because we don't have a, a kitchen and we're in a small town. So there's not, you know, there's not McDonald's next door to potato. Yeah. We can't just say, or, you know, there's, there's not a, you want. Yeah. yeah, there's not a pizza shop that's open till nine o'clock yeah. every night. Um, so we're going to do cheese toasties, uh, and vegan cheese toasties as well, as you know, we can just pre-make them, get them ready, and use good ingredients, and know that they're going to be good. Um, we're going to do How good is a good cheese toasty. Yeah, right. Like that's just a. But unfortunately, three different cheese toasties doesn't equate to three different items of food. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Um, so oh, we're yeah, going to do yeah. a cheese cheese board with some good, uh, I think, all South Island cheese. Love it. Um, and again, we'll do a three cheese toasty. You know, from the cheese board cheese. So mm-hmm. you, know, you can have a little Lux, Lux blue cheese and Brie Gruyere toasty or, or cheddar toasty. Um, and then for a third, we were going to get a little deep fryer and a range hood and do chips and occasional fried specials. Mm-hmm. But the cost of that to get all that installed for chips only, um, looking at it and knowing that we want to expand and, and reorganize the whole place hopefully within yeah, two years it's not viable for a short term sort of thing especially with glycol breaking down every freaking day of the month yeah. <laughs> um, you know looking at looking at that, that would cost us we almost bought a food truck the other day there's a really good deal on a food trailer that's fully kitted out and brand new yeah um, that someone's bought and never used uh we had a long long conversation about let's just get it and then we've got it, and then we can work it out after the fact. Yeah, um, right. Interesting. But having Interesting. a food trailer means, you know, well, I mean, it's a harder you, thing to staff. It's also you're, you're buying another business, essentially. Yeah, and it's specced out to be Asian cooking. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, Emma and I, at home, we typically cook. What does that mean? You know, Just, like, wok burners installed and that sort of Yeah, stuff? a couple of wok burners. There's a couple of, um, I think there's, like, a rice cooker built in. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a grill. There's no grill plate. As I mean, such. So you couldn't, you couldn't yeah. do burgers in it. You couldn't do burgers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we talked about like that's what we cook at home mostly is, um, you know, Emma does a lot of Chinese food. I cook a lot of Vietnamese food. I made, you know, a variation on a shaken beef uh, Vietnamese dish tonight, for example. Um, 
So we're like, well, maybe we, okay, maybe we just buy it and then we work it out and we do the food. But it's kind of, if this came up six months down the road and we chatted to a chef who wanted to work on something with us. Sure. It seems too much for you guys to take on as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's just not the right time for that. So we've gone back. Would, would owning a truck be viable just to service the brewery? Or would you need well, to take it around to other sites? To... It, it isn't. A, it's a trailer, so it's a you know you need to tow it. Um, yeah. So for us, it was seventeen thousand dollars to buy. Uh huh. And when we're like that well, seems we... reasonable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's you know an hour down the road. It's it's not like we have to get it from Auckland or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, seventeen thousand dollars to buy versus getting a chip fryer, a, you know, a, a, a bench top chip fryer and a range hood. Mm-hmm. We're looking at eight grand for that. Yeah, so suddenly the trailer becomes a very attractive very proposition. Attractive. Yeah, fair enough. It's just something we don't, just, we don't have. I think it's not, yeah, it's just, it's not the viability of purchasing it. It's the viability of operating it. Yeah. Um, um, ideally, we say to someone, hey, we'll go halves, you know, we'll invest as a separate business with you. And you can, you know, you just need to guarantee that it's at the brewery and we need it to be. And then, if you want to do festivals, go nuts. Yeah. And then, you know, thinking if we then redevelop the kitchen on site, which we do want to do eventually, then we've got a really sick f- truck to take to. To take the business on the road, yeah. Yeah, to take to festivals because it's it's really cool shape. It's, you know, kind of a vintage vibe. Um, it's, it fits our brand perfectly. Anyway, that was a bit of a four-hour discussion on Friday night last night. Um, yeah, right. We've settled on, I decided not to do chips. The range hood was just going to be, again, too much money yep. to then have to rip out. It seems crazy, like eight grand um, to get a chip a chip set up going. <clears throat> and also the, the time to, again, living in this part of the world, the time that it would take to get someone to install it. Yeah. It's just, you know. So we're just going to do a, a bread and dip trio kind of a thing, so get some Turkish yep. breads. Um, nice. I was going to do the fryer where we were going to do fried chicken specials once a month was my plan yep. for that. 10 sandwiches only, 10 o'clock, uh, 12 o'clock Saturday. When they're gone, they're gone. So come get your fried chicken sandwich. That's super exclusive, 10 only. Yeah. Oh, man. And ba- basically it's because I want to eat a fried chicken sandwich once a sure, month. Sure, but that would, like, if, if that would end up being like a, a local thing. Yeah. Did and you get one also, of the sandwiches this time? Ah, oh, next month, definitely. And if it's not a sandwich, like, if, sorry, if it's not a not a queue out the door every Saturday, if we can't sell 10 fried chicken sandwiches over the course of nine hours while we're open, we've done something wrong. Yeah, close up now, mate, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, I'm going to have to put that one on the back burner um, for, for the moment, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that, and that's another challenge for it. Again, a really small tap room like ours, only licensed for 30 people, not really much room for a kitchen. We still need to have three substantial food offerings. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we want to have make them good. Like, you know, you can we can course. do a frozen pie, we can do a frozen pizza, but that's not us at all. Um, I mean, if you've got people I, that are coming that aren't drinking as well, like you, you want to still have people excited about being there as well. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do, you know, the, the toasties will be good cheese, good bread. Um, we've got some good good crisps on the side. 
uh, and we'll have there's a local guy that makes really good hot sauce, so we'll get some of his hot sauce. Um, I'll always have chili oil, homemade chili oil at the brewery as well. Um, so, you know, a cheese toasty and whatever combination of sauce you want is. Uh, that, that rules. I remember um, <clears throat> having a. I mean, I can't. I probably can't think of the exact beer it was, but I mean, throw a dartboard at the Molly Rose tap list. You're gonna get something great. Molly Rose beer in hand. I had one of their cheese toasties with tomato soup. Man, yeah. What's better in life? Hopefully, yeah, Turkish bread with local dips and uh, a cheese board. Yeah, yeah, and if we can get if we can get the cheese board and the the this is such a small business guy thing to say, but if we can get the cheese board and the dips for twenty dollars for both, and have it you know reasonable size, then like you know that's that's about every right, group yeah. of people coming in is is probably going to order that. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, we're also doing wine on tap. We've saw some really good wine uh, in kegs here in New Zealand. Um, so we're super excited to be pouring wine on tap and not blasting through bottles. Definitely. Um, and also, Definitely. again, like if we pour a glass of wine a night, I don't want to be opening a new bottle. Exactly right. Yeah. And you don't want to have to um, start doing the start doing the inventory about wine, like how long the bottle's been open, how many yep. open ones you've got. You can just eliminate all that. Yeah. Um, a little bit concerned about perception of that in a town like ours. People might perceive um, it as being cheaper. How's product. your? How many different wines will you pour? Three. Okay. Are you going to be doing a tasting flight? No, not okay. immediately. Because I think that would be a way of handling those perceptions. Yeah, you go, I just... well, cheaply. Here's all of them. See what you think, and have people drinking three really nice wines. I think that'll change minds pretty quickly, but yeah. I really love the idea of that. I, we're just not set up for that. Yeah, for um, sure. At sure. the moment. But what, I mean, what we're going to do is just not say it's on tap. We're just going to say we do sure. wine by the glass, we do it by the carafe. Um, and then if anyone asks, we, we're ready to have that conversation. Yeah. You know, it's sustainable. Um, there's not as much waste. It's, you know, this is the, the producer. You know, the producers are, are legit good producers in, here in New Zealand. Um, you know, it's a, and also it's in a, reality, how much pushback is there going to be? Yeah, but I think if it said it was on tap, people might get a little bit, huh? What is it, cask? Yeah, you fair. Know, that kind of a because cask wine is still served behind bars and some pubs here. Yeah, right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and so is deep fried camembert. I'm not against deep fried camembert, by the way. It's just a, a very old fashioned thing to have on every pub menu. Is that right? I couldn't Which tell part? you if I've ever had that before. I remember having it when I worked in a pub kitchen here in 1998, 2000. And it seemed a little bit exotic, but also a little bit old-fashioned then. Doesn't uh, it get too hot? Well, no, it's, it's battered. It's crumbed. Yeah. And then so the crumb keeps it intact. Oh, I get it. But I mean, like, wouldn't the, <laughs> wouldn't it be like a... Lava, lava yeah. cheese. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you get a cranberry sauce with it. New Zealand loves uh, soft cheese, chicken, and cranberry as a combination. Like a bread. Oh, I can see that in a sandwich. Yeah, smoke. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> if you, in a sandwich. next time you're in New Zealand, have a look. You'll see it everywhere. 
Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, wine on tap. Um, we were hoping to get gin done in bigger format than bottles. From There's a really cool distillery here in, uh, on the West Coast called Reckton Distilling. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to them. They make really good gin. Um, they're not set up to do anything other than bottles at the moment, but okay. hopefully they seem pretty keen to, to explore alternatives. So Yeah, nice. We're just going to do one spirit. We just do theirs. They're the only local one. So um, I like it. Yeah. All right, Dave. It's bloody exciting. It's been 90 minutes. People have had yep. enough, it's, I imagine. Yeah. If you want to check out the brewery, shortjaw.co.nz. Got a mailing list on the website there, so jump onto that. Um, and facebook.com slash shortjaw. Uh, Instagram, same is shortjaw. Love it. Dave? Oh, send me an email, davidalivertime.com. Say good day. I'll, I'll respond quick smart, I promise. Um, new Crack the Ceilings coming up as well. Um, Lindsay's having a crack at editing them for the, the first or the next couple. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that because I wouldn't have heard them, which is exciting. Yeah, terrific. Um, so that's yeah, a Crack the Ceiling. Sorry? I'm very keen to hear it. Yeah, uh, Crack the Ceiling uh, in your podcast apps as well. Um, Hypothetical Institute is still happening. We've done an episode about drinking urine, uh, a very mature episode. We certainly kept that one on track. And we've just done one about uh, eating silver. And Okay, all right. Or, or eating and also hoarding silver, just silver in general, really. All right. Well, I mean, if drinking urine and hoarding silver doesn't pique your interest, then um, I don't know what to think, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, but hey, it's, it works for Alex Jones and his legion of listeners. So, <laughs> oh, all right, right, Dave, okay. let's chat this soon. Naturally, all right, talk to you soon. Actually.